0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly
1: presents the Oxford Exxon podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something that you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Palm And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready.
0: I deserve to be on TV.
2: Weldon Rotenberger joins for a, uh, that's mispronounced your name and everything right there off the very top. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, it's okay. Not well, an easy
2: one. Uh, mine gets pronoun- mispronounced so often that I, I answer to anything. Uh, Weldon Rotenberg joins this is going to be forewarning forewarning. I'm labeling this OEP extra NBA summer league. So what that means is this is an extra podcast that is about the NBA and the NBA summer league. There is a 100% chance we are going to talk a lot of NBA. There's a very small chance that we'll talk about something else. I doubt it. But we'll probably just talk about the NBA because I think from our little pre-conversation, we're both sort of junkies. So if you complain about an NBA podcast, it's your fault. You hit the play button. If you are in this and you like, I don't want to hear about the NBA. Now's the time to exit out and listen to another Oxford Exxon podcast or MPW digital podcast. Thank you for being here. There's your warning.
1: That was well, fantastic. <laughs> well, how, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, doing great. Glad right. to be here. happy to yeah. talk some.
2: I'm I'm glad to have you here. So, I told you that I went to Vegas last year. I took my son. We we was a it was a dual purpose trip. Um, we won want, we wanted to go see the NBA Summer League, and he's a big soccer fan, as you are. He's a big Chelsea fan, and Chelsea was playing at Allegiant Stadium, where the Raiders play, um, against Copa Americana. America yeah,
1: uh club America. Cause they came to Houston and I actually went to go see city play them at NRG. So I guess they were doing kind of a little, a little round Robin deal. I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. It was great soccer. We got to see Pulichick the whole deal. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then we went three days of summer league and it was a blast. We got to see pretty much everybody, uh, to, we got to see some really high level summer league games. We got to see some very low level summer league games. But they're, all the NBA was there, and I told you it was just like super cool. We almost went again this year. Probably already planning to go next year. But I just like I like the summer leagues. It's, it's a cool thing. Uh The NBA talked. I guess it was Adam Silver talking yesterday about. Um, Las Vegas is sort of the 31st city right now and that it's a prime candidate for expansion. I think it would go great there because of all the tourists and stuff.
1: Absolutely. It's all coming there. I think they, the talk is LeBron wants to be like a co-owner of a team there. That's like the, you know, kind of NBA media rumors is that he's bringing that team there and he's bringing himself with them. So they've done an incredible job with it. I mean, I'm so jealous of you being able to go and it's on the bucket list for sure.
2: Yeah. It's, it's super cool. You buy a ticket for the day and you can buy the expensive seats and have a guaranteed uh, kind of court side back back backrest seat. Last year, I think those tickets were $160 for the day, or you could buy a general admission ticket for 40 bucks a day. And we just bought the general admission ticket, 40 bucks. I think we spent a total of $240 for the whole three days for the whole deal. Which is the, that's the best
1: deal you'll find in sports right now. I mean, yeah, that's incredible.
2: And there's usually – so, and that ticket gets you into both arenas. You can get into Thomas and Mac, which is where UNLV plays. It's right there kind of off the strip. And then uh, right next door to it, I think they call it the Cox Arena or something like that. And, and you get – ticket, the access gets you to both games. And there's usually – Two or three games in Thomas and Mack, and a couple of games in the Cox Arena. You can go to either one, um, and and see the team you want to see play. And um, it was it was cool. We, we 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 saw a lot of basketball, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and the whole NBA is there. I mean, all the stars are there. Like we were at a who we see. Um, I guess we were at a Pelicans game, and love that. Love that. <laughs> yeah, and and like Zion was there. And C.J. McCollum was there. Um, just, that's kind of how it works. Like when the Thunder were playing, SGA was there at the, on the court. And so, you know, we saw all those guys. And you see the coaches in the building. And, and it's just a lot of fun. It's really cool. And if you like the NBA, the more of an NBA junkie you are, the more you will like Summer League. Which leads me into this year's NBA Summer League. And Victor Wimbanyama has made his debut He had one stinker of a game, and the hot takes after that game, Weldon, were beyond what you'd expect. Beyond awesome. I just (laughs) I don't know what people expected. It's he's not a finished product, but he's seven foot five. He's got an eight-foot wingspan. His impact, even when he's awful, as he was in the first game, his impact on the defensive end is so profound that I'm surprised people can't look at that and go, oh, this guy's going to be a beast.
1: Absolutely. But did you know his schedule before the first game that he played in? I mean, his team in France ended their season like, I mean, three weeks ago, something like that. So then after that, you know, you you get done with the season. Then you have to travel all the way to New York. By the way, to start this absolutely insane part of your life, because I mean, how I don't even know how old he is, but, you know, a young man going to New York, getting drafted first overall. Then you're going to San Antonio where you're meeting the legends of the game and David Robinson and Tim Duncan and getting introduced to all of them. Oh, and by the way, now we're going to ship you out to Las Vegas. You're going to go through all the media. You're going to have what? Two practices with a bunch of guys who are never going to touch an NBA court. Oh, and then you're going to be the, on the spotlight of spotlights against the number two pick, uh, and we're going to expect you to be the greatest prospect since LeBron James. All of it was so ridiculous and so expected because that's when they want to build you up before they break you down. Yep. And he is such an intelligent basketball player that when you watched game two, you, like, saw him understanding, like, okay, I've had enough of this shit, so excuse my language, no, that's good. I'm just going to play my game and I'm just going to beat all these guys when I'm ready to shoot. I'm just going to shoot, goes for 20, you know, 27, 12, and like eight rebounds has like four blocks dunks from the dunker spot with his left hand. Uh, it, he is unbelievable. And it's like you said, it was some of the hot takes were fantastic. It was a great night of Twitter to see who people are. Yes. Uh, but for me, just knowing like having heard all that on the broadcast, by the way, and then seeing him the way he played in game two, which unfortunately was not against Scoot, was like, yeah, we're going to be good here. I'm good here. You know, I've seen what I need to see from this guy. Uh, He is just fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. That's
2: the word because he can – He and and the Spurs seem intent at least early on, and it's so freaking early on. Uh, They seem intent on at least experimenting with him as the four. He's really not playing
1: center. He yeah, was he's, almost never on the block. Yeah. yeah and, you're, and, you're exactly
2: right. So they're going to pull him out some. He he creates space. He's such a willing passer. He's such a good passer. Um, he's got to tighten up his handle. But 95% of NBA rookies need to tighten up their handle. Um, that's that's not unexpected. The part with Wimbanyama that's going to give him a chance, when people go, I don't understand how you guys think he's going to be a generational talent. It's watch him shoot the three ball. Assume that he's going to make the same jumps that most elite NBA players make in year two and year three shooting because he's going to get a lot of elite instruction shooting. He's going to play a different level of basketball. Yes, is he going to get pushed around in year one? Of course, of course. So is everybody else. Um, But you project him three years down the road, if he becomes a 35 36% three-point shooter. That makes him unstoppable.
1: He He's, he can do everything defensively right now that you need him to do from a 7'5 guy who has like never played an NBA game. You watch him on the court. And it's interesting because in the NBA, when you're watching all these teams play, you got guys like Lillard and Kawhi and LeBron and these just elite offensive players where you see the amount of pressure that they put on deep, like you can see it in the de- defender's eyes. Like, okay, he's right there. Luka's right there. Jokic is right there. You watch two games of wimbledon in summer league basketball, and every time someone has the ball, they're looking at wimbledon and they're like, oh, he's right there. I We have to figure out what we're going to do about him. The offensive stuff, like you said, just projecting, he's an elite athlete with an elite mindset. I mean, his basketball knowledge, you can just see, is incredibly high. For a kid his age coming into this league, he's already got one part by you know, sheer genetics and understanding. The next part, you just have to trust him and everything from all accounts and everybody you've talked to. Like, this guy has it. Like, he is going to be fine. We have no worries about kind of his off court stuff. I mean, his shot looks great and no one can block it. So, it, it's he's an incredible player. He, like, is, I think fascinating is the right word, like we were talking about earlier uh and he's just fun and you know it's interesting because no one's really seen him play from like the kind of casual NBA fan which i think this was such a unique experience in las vegas cuz people are like yeah i've seen twitter highlights but i've never seen this guy in person and from all accounts seeing him in person is just like a completely different level from looking on youtube
2: he's so big <laughs> he's so big he's such a and i know he's skinny i get it He's so big. And in the NBA, length is a commodity. It's a, it's, it's, you'd buy it if you could.
1: It's how teams build their, I mean, Toronto like builds their team based off of length. Are you 6'8 with length and can play defense? You're going to be a part of our basketball team. It's exactly correct.
2: And he's got such an insane amount of length. And he's athletic and he understands the game and he's going to close out and he's going to be such a backside rim defender. What I noticed with with him in the second game, especially, was his impact defensively just by, as you were saying, just by being there. Yeah, by being on the floor, guys were like, "Okay, well, I'm not driving in there." And against a different defender, these are guys who, even the guys in the summer league, pretty athletic guys that can get up, guys that have leap, yeah. uh, guys and You're guys trying that to. <laughs> and they're, and they're trying for a job. Yeah. they're, they're, they're fighting for a job. That's why, you know, you watch some guys, and it's like, Hey, I get the ball. I'm jacking it up. I mean, I'm a willing shooter because I need to show people I can shoot. I can score. I'm trying to get a spot on a, on a two way. I'm trying to get in the G league. I'm trying to impress somebody in Europe, whatever the case, but they're trying to get employment. All and, and those guys are going at the, at the rim. And then they see Win Banyama they're like, nah, not, not doing that. That, that won't work. And so that, that it, he'll, He's gonna have all the NBA because he's got this label on him now. He's got this bullseye, and all the NBA guys early in the season are gonna say, "Okay, all right, kid. I've been hearing about you. I'm I'm bringing it."
1: And he's gonna lose a lot of those,
2: but he's gonna learn. And as he learns, he's going to be a beast.
1: Uh, and he's in the perfect system, which brings me to my conspiracy theory that this was maybe the most rigged NBA lottery I've ever seen. In the last, you know, 10 years of like really focusing on it there. I mean, they weren't sending him to Charlotte. They no. weren't sending him to Houston. Like this was perfect. And, you know, it's frustrating as a Pelicans fan because they're in our you know, division, which I don't actually really even know what NBA divisions are. Um, But he is going to be just fine. And I think him being an international prospect, you've seen these guys come in like Giannis. And Luka and Jokic, they've been playing against professional basketball players, you know, since they were 15. And they don't have all of like the AAU people around them that are, you know, telling them how good they are and telling them how incredible they are. And this guy probably doesn't watch, you know, first take in the morning when he wakes up because they're yeah. talking about it. he doesn't care. So he's just gonna have to get to business and do his work. And San Antonio with Popovich, who signed that new five-year deal. Uh, they're going to give him everything he needs to be successful, and it will simply just be up to him. And then, of course, the the alternative situation with the health, and that, that's something that will always be monitored with him. Odds are, he's probably going to have a major injury or two. I think that's the risk you're will, you're willing to take with a guy with that body type, that length. I mean, you saw him. I mean, he got knocked in the knee on a screen. Like, it's just going to happen with him. But the upside is so high that no matter what, you're still taking him one and you're still willing to help with him and his progression.
2: Yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis has had injuries. Kevin Durant's had injuries. uh, It's part of the game. You know, Chet Holmgren's already had an injury. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's just kind of big, tall guys like that. I also think people forget what Kevin Durant looked like as a rookie, what um, Giannis Antetokounmpo looked like as a rookie. Those dudes were skinny too. I mean, cool. Wimanyama is going to fill out some, look at Holmgren. We'll talk about Holmgren in just a minute. I mean, he's yeah. already gained, you know, 12, 13 pounds in one year. And it's, it's, it's clearly quality weight. He already looks better. And so, you know, I mean, again, I just. Yeah.
1: He's not going to turn into the Hulk and neither is Holmgren, but you can clearly tell the difference between Holmgren from this first of league game to this year. I mean, he looks filled out. Women, Yama, you add 10 pounds, and then also you add like just the like the muscle memory of getting hit a little bit harder in the NBA for a year. He's going to be just fine.
2: Let's talk about Holmgren. Um, I saw him last season in the summer league, and he was good. And he's one of those guys that you don't realize how big he is until you see him in person. Oh, yeah. He's he's really tall and really long, and the fact that he's four inches shorter than Wimbenyama and six inches less wingspan than Win tells you just how big when is. Um, it's cause, cause Holmgren, it's outrageous. <laughs> cause Holmgren's really big. Um, if Chet Holmgren does nothing more in his career than be a rim protector and rim defender, he's going to be a 15 year NBA vet. Now I think it's pretty obvious watching him play that there's a little rust. um, he's you know playing with some guys that he hasn't played with before much um but i watched especially the game against uh dallas on saturday it was an interesting game because dallas put Derek lively the second on him and dallas was playing really hard mark cuban was courtside so was jason kidd they were those guys they knew who was watching they were playing really high level and uh Jalen Williams, Santa Clara. The Thunder had stopped doing that. That was a half-game experiment. They're like, "Okay, you're good. Go away." That
1: was enough. That was enough for him. Yeah, yeah. Don't
2: don't get hurt. And so they were playing Jalen Williams from Arkansas, and it was Kason Wallace, his first game with the Thunder, and and uh, Trey Mann was out there, and so he was playing with guys that are going to play in the NBA, and I thought Chet played a really strong game especially on defense. I think he had 13 points or 16 points, 13 boards. He blocked a couple of shots, but like when Binyama, what you noticed as that game went along was Dallas's guards. Jalen Hardy, he was guys that play in the NBA. Yeah. Early in the game challenged him by the middle of the game. They'd stopped. They were pulling up, taking shots that were a lower percentage. They weren't getting to the rim because it was hard to get to the rim. And Holmgren was such an impact at the rim. And that was, frankly, the thing that the Thunder didn't have a year ago. And I was watching that game, and and I'm, I'm about the Thunder the way you are, the Pelicans, and it was, all right, stop. This is summer league. Stop getting your hopes up. Stop, stop, stop. But I couldn't kind of stop because I finally looked at it, and I went, you know, they're not that far away from being pretty competitive. If Holmgren can do this, and if Wallace is – An impact, not an impact player, but just an impact piece right away.
1: A rotation guy. That's all you need. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause you've, you're, you're, you're adding, you, you, you have SGA, you have Lou Dort, you have uh, Josh Kitty, you have Jalen Williams, you have the other Jalen Williams who is now proven to be a a quality NBA player that was a really good second round pick by the Thunder. Um, And now that you're asking that Jalen Williams, hey, you don't even have to be a starter anymore. You just have to come in, you can maybe play the five a little bit with Chet, what was interesting. And I want to get your thoughts on here. The thunder are very clearly experimenting and they've admitted out loud. Hey, we're going to experiment for another year. They played him some as the four with Jalen Williams as the five. And then they took Williams off the floor and played Chet as the five. And I thought when he was the five, he was a lot more effective defensively because of drop coverage and some of that, um, Offensively, he looked more comfortable as the four. But his bread and butter, at least right now with SGA and Giddy and Jalen Williams from Santa Clara on the on the team, his, his primary responsibility is going to be to be a, a defender. And I'm kind of wondering if the Thunder are going to put him at the five, knowing that he's going to have some disadvantages against big bigs, knowing that what he can do from a spacing standpoint with all of the scores they have on that team, it's going to make them a really difficult team to defend.
1: They're as interesting of a top 10 guys team in the NBA going into next year. Uh, they have so much young talent, some of which is proven. I mean, Shea is proven. Doris yeah. is proven. To me, Giddy, after what he did to New Orleans last year in the play-in game, he's proven to me. Uh, and then Santa Clara, Jalen Williams, I, I love him. But, I mean, he did get hurt. I love him. But, you know, there's still a little bit there. There's a reason he played for a game in summer leagues because they love him too, but they needed to see a little bit more. What I'm interested with Chet is, like you are mentioning, looks more comfortable defensively in the five, offensively in the four. Just him and Shea, what do they want to do with him in that two-man game? Is he going to be – more of a rolling to the rim? Is he going to be more of a spacer for them to let Shea, you know, maybe do a little bit more with Jalen Williams from Arkansas if they're in together on the two-man game? They can do everything. And I think having ex- you know them experiment with Chet and figuring out what he likes, because sometimes, I mean, you get guys – I mean, Anthony Davis, we saw it in New Orleans for years. He didn't want to play the five. He, like, refused to be called a five. He didn't want to be a center. He wanted to be that stretch four – what you hear about from everybody in the NBA, well, we need to stretch for. With Holmgren, I mean, him being able to play through the summer league, which is why it's such a valuable asset to these teams and figure out what makes him more comfortable, then watch the coaching staff and the management be like, okay, we've seen what we need to see. Let's just put him in the best, you know, the best way to be successful, the best position to be successful. Um, I, I love him as a player. I think he looks twitchier than Wimbiyama, which you're gonna be when you're four inches, you know, shorter and everything like that. Uh I think his shot has a chance to be really good. I mean he was a very good shooter at Gonzaga on open threes. And I think him and Shea and all those distributors with Giddy, he can do it all. I, I will be interested interested to see how they start the year with him. And are they going to start him at the four at the five, like you said. Personally, I, I like him as a five. Uh, I know that you were worried about him getting backed down by Jokic and by all these massive guys, but everyone gets backed down by Jokic and and he's impossible to guard anyway, so who cares? What you're getting on the offensive end of the court along with the rim protection, that's the upside that I see in that team. And I'd rather start there and have your best five of Giddy, SGA, Santa Clara, Dort, and him, and that's tough. And that's an incredibly difficult lineup to go against.
2: Yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. I think it's why they didn't draft. I know they drafted Lively, but they drafted Lively for the Mavericks. They wanted another guard. I think it's why they didn't try to aggressively move up and get Jairus Walker, for example. I think they've decided that, hey, our window's getting ready to open. It's not quite open. Getting ready to open. We've got all these assets. They've got just all these tons of number ones, more number twos than they know what to do with. Um they've got all these picks they can go make a move let's figure out if you're them let's figure out what move we need to make let's experiment I I think they're gonna do some weird stuff this year I think they're going to be some lineups where they go Chet and pokashevsky on the floor at the same time oh, I, forgot about <laughs> I I I think they're gonna do I think they're gonna do some stuff where Chet's the five and they play four guards I think they're gonna do some stuff where maybe they play Arkansas, Jalen Williams, Poku, and Chet on the floor and go really big and go two guards. Um, The one thing I saw, and this was the summer league to NBA that is different. There were multiple times, both in Salt Lake City and in Vegas, when Chet was on the floor, where he rolled to the basket and he was open. And he was playing with like Shackelford or somebody, the Alabama player who was like, "Hey, I'm I'm shooting. I'm not. I'm not passing." And the guard didn't find him. And I was watching that, going, "Oh, Josh Giddey would have gotten it to him right there. SGA probably would have gotten it to him right there." And then his his footwork for a seven foot seven foot one guy is elite. He has, yeah, he has so many moves. He's patient. He can get to the basket, and then he's so long that once he gets to a certain spot, he'll just dunk over you. And and he's he's fun. I mean, we got cheated out of his rookie year, but it, I, and again, I'm a little biased, but I liked Holmgren a lot at Gonzaga and I've been keeping up with him since two years out because when you're cheering for the thunder over the last four or five years, you're far more interested in the draft than you are the season. And you knew that draft was coming. And with Holmgren, the, the, the one thing about him is, There will be so much attention on Victor Wimbanyama in the Rookie of the Year thing. I think there's a decent chance, if you want to put money on somebody, put the money on Holmgren to win it because you're going to get better odds. And I think there's a really good chance that he kind of wins it because he is a year older and a little bit stronger and all of those things. And he's playing on a team where he's not going to be asked to sort of carry the load as opposed to San Antonio. While they have some good players, it's going to be built around Wimbenyama from day one
1: every single thing they do will be going to women Yama. You're exactly correct. I think Holmgren's like five to one or six to one, which all things considered is pretty good odds for a guy who just got hurt coming back for rookie of the year. Um, I mean, I do think the obvious question for the Thunder, and, you know, I know everyone that's talking in the NBA is talking about is Lillard, and he wants to go to Miami. He will only go to Miami if you're Oklahoma City. And you're an Oklahoma city fan. Yeah. Are you willing to give up assets for him right now? No. Think you're close enough.
2: No, I'm a year away from, uh, I'll give credit to Andrew Schlecht here. Works for the athletic. Does a lot of thunder stuff. He always talks about pushing the button, pulling the lever, not ready to push the button yet. I want to go one more year. I want to collect one more season of data and then, figure out okay cuz look you'll have all of these number ones you're going to have a glut of players right now they already have a ridiculous glut of players They're not all great players but a glut of players you could move a player or two you could put a bunch of picks together you could put some twos together and you can go get what you need right now if you go get if you went and got Damian Lillard yeah he and Shea, that's a that's a bitch of a backcourt no question absolutely but if you're portland you don't do that trade without getting probably two of giddy holmgren and santa clara jalen williams i mean that's what you should do
1: now of course they're looking at the you know offer for miami which is like hero duncan robinson and like a first round pick in 2030 i mean you could beat that offer oh a thousand times over a million times over with not maybe not even including two of those three it's just, I, I feel like it's a question they're probably asking in their offices right now. It's like, I mean, we like where we're at now. We have an opportunity to love where we're at. And I like Dame Willard. I think he's incredible. I think he plays no defense and you don't win championships with that kind of player. But they have enough of those players on yeah. that team to, to completely counteract that issue. Uh, it's one that I would thought of. And you you kind of look on Twitter and you've seen some people be like, the Thunder are just sitting there with 9,000 first round and ten thousand second round picks. They have you know triple the assets Miami does. Like, is it worth bringing someone unhappy like that? I completely understand what your thought process on it, though.
2: What about Utah? Utah has maybe as many assets as the Thunder have, and and they've got and I love like I don't know how much you've watched. I have him written down to talk about. Um, oh yeah, Keontae George has been terrific.
1: Fantastic. I watched I mean, them play last night. Or was that last night or two nights? Ago? I can't remember. He's I been was right Baylor.
2: Yeah, yeah. Baylor.
1: I would it's it's all the it's the same conversation. It's the assets, but it's like, what are you getting out of Lillard? And of course, I mean, if you're paying him 45-50 million dollars, he's showing up to play for you. I think anyone thinking that he's just not going to show up is it's ludicrous. It makes no sense. It's not how these guys work. I, I would do it. If I'm I'm really kind of thinking from the Blazers' point of, you know, point of view, like I cannot send this guy to Miami for nothing. No. This guy has been the most important player in, in the franchise since Clyde Drexler. He has been everything for us. He is still an incredibly valuable asset despite his age. I cannot just – why am I going to fold because these guys, he wants to go there? I'm looking at Utah. I'm looking at the Thunder. I'm looking at Minnesota and being like, I'll take Carl Anthony Towns for dame straight up. That's more valuable to me with Scoot and these guys now. I love Utah, but like what what's Utah's, you know, biggest chip? Is it the first round picks? Is it George himself? That's a it's a lot of to bet on a kid who's played really yeah. well in two summer league games. So I, I don't know. I'm with you. There's so much out there for them. The thunder obviously came up, but it's an interesting situation to follow, and is kind of frustrating from my perspective.
2: You know, and with this new CBA that went into effect on July the first, if you if you take on that contract, you're really rolling the dice. And then if you are a team like Portland, if I'm trading him, I've got to get a Kings ransom in return. And I look at Miami, and Miami is maxed out. They've That's the thing in in the NBA. If you're not a junkie, you probably don't keep up with which teams have collected assets and which teams haven't. And the ones that have collected the assets have all the power. They can go shopping whenever they decide to go shop and, or they can be patient and they can let the assets accumulate. Like uh, the the Pelicans have a lot of assets. They, they can, they can sit back and go, okay, well, let's like, if I'm in new Orleans, as tempting as it was to, Get involved in the Scoot Henderson thing, and and we can talk about it. I have yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do too. I saw the I saw the Pelicans play two nights in a row in New Orleans in March. Yeah, it was the weekend of the SEC tournament. Um, saw them play the Thunder and the Blazers on back-to-back nights, and you just look over there and you're like, okay, there's Brandon Ingram. He's not playing. I know how good he is. There's Zion Williamson, who should be a top five player in the league, and he looks fat, frankly. And um, yet you've got these pieces on their team. Um, I love Trey Murphy. I saw Trey Murphy go off for 40-something against Portland that second night.
1: I remember that game. Yeah. um, Herb Jones, who just signed for $54 million. Um, They love Alvarado, who's an undrafted guy. I mean, they love Dyson Daniels, who's played great Mm -hmm. in summer league. They, they've got a lot of assets. It's not to the Oklahoma city level, but it's, it's a similar situation. You're talking about the lever and what, but I, if,
2: if, if I'm new Orleans, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to give this one more run because I just can't give away Zion. I'm gonna give it one more run. And if it becomes obvious that this guy's not going to live up to his potential. Yeah. I got, I got to move him while I can, but what if he does? What if he does, or what if he lives up to 80% of his potential, all of a sudden new Orleans is a, is a contender.
1: Absolutely. We were the number one team in the West uh, through January. Through the day he got hurt against the 76ers, we were one game ahead of Memphis in the West. Um, It's really a lot about what Zion is as an asset at this exact second. Um, There was so much talk about the Pelicans going up for Scoot Henderson and potentially parting ways with either Zion or Brandon.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: I liked it. I was I was intrigued. How about that? I, I was intrigued by it. Um But then you always just revert to what you saw last year. And honestly, it started from game one of the season. The Pelicans went to Brooklyn to play that iteration of Brooklyn, which is hilarious, is now completely a different team. Uh, There's no Kyrie Irving. There's no Kevin Durant. I mean, none of them are on that team anymore. But that was a team that was like, we're going to be a top four team in the East. We're going to be really, really good. And the Pelicans went on the road and absolutely annihilated them. I mean, Herb Jones is blocking Kevin Durant's three-pointers. Zion is dunking on Ben Simmons. It, I mean, for an LSU, you know, Baton Rouge person, that's always fun to see. It was like a dream come true. It's what I hope for you next year is when you, that first game comes, you see what, like, the culmination of all these assets with CJ playing well and Herb playing well, Trey Murphy playing well. You see with Jalen Williams and Holmgren and SGA because it is like We've made it. We're here. You know, this, this is exactly what we've been waiting for for years and years and years. And in my you know, opinion of my sports fandom throughout my life, it was maybe the most miserable season of any sport I've ever cheered for in my life. Truly was. It, it's hard to even explain having Ingram go out and Zion go out and, you know, Larry Nance went out and Jose went out and it was like, we were, Better than the Nuggets, the team that just won the championship. And now we are losing to a team of 19 year olds at home and in, in the playing yeah. game. It's impossible to, to comprehend. But but back to the trade stuff, I was like, yeah, I'm down for Scoot. I, I love this kid's mindset. I love everything I've heard about him. And of course, I watched his first quarter of that game against the Rockets, and I almost wanted to cry myself to sleep because I think he I think he is it. I think he's he it. Is. But I'm okay. He, I'm okay he, with and it. And he
2: is it. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with it. I want one more year of it and then we'll figure it out from there. And you know what? It's New Orleans basketball. It's never meant to be successful anyway. Whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what we, I, I'm okay with this team. I'm excited for this team. Uh, Jalen, Haw- Jordan Hawkins from UConn is a knockdown three point shooter. He probably will not play a minute in the NBA next year. He's 6'4, slow foot speed. All I can do is shoot. I, he'll, he'll be kind of like a fringe rotation guy that will have to learn a lot. But I love the team and I love the coach. I love everything, but I, you have to do one more year of it. One, one more year.
2: I'm going to bet that both of us have a mutual hatred of the
1: Houston Rockets. Um, <laughs> I'm in Houston, by the way, and I, I want to like attempt to like them so I can go to some games, but no, I hate the Rockets.
2: My brother I, lives in Houston and he took me to some Rockets games and he's like, you got to cheer for the Rockets. And I said, I'll try. And they were playing uh, Portland one night. I have no reason to cheer for Portland either. And by the middle of the second quarter, I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm cheering for the Blazers the rest of the night. I don't like
1: these guys." And, and well, you don't like watching James Harden shoot 45 free throws a game. That's not fun to you. Watch him step back and kick people. <laughs> so what the hell is Houston
2: thinking? And and I watched their summer league games, and Jabari's got a chance to be a good player, and actually kind of like Cam Whitmore they might have gotten a a steal there i don't know why he fell if it's health if it's something attitudinal
1: it, it was like a red flag for health which is kind of rare in the nba that's more of an nfl thing this guy fell from the 4th pick to the 20th because of a knee injury and he's already playing so weird but continue sorry
2: you've got all these young guys you're not winning anytime soon i know the ownership says win damn it yeah but you're not not in the West. Not with Denver and Memphis, and uh, you know the, the Lakers are still there, and the Clippers could could could, could, could put it together. Sacramento's a very good team. Uh, you know we just talked about New Orleans. Uh, Utah's coming. Minnesota's got a lot of talent, even though they're, they're they seem to be sort of stuck in perpetuity. Um, Oklahoma City's on the rise. You've got all these teams, and if you're Houston, you're like Dallas. We didn't even mention Dallas. They've got Kyrie, oh. and Kyrie, oh. and Luka, and I mean, they're going to be a good team. They're going to win a. They're going to win a bunch of games. They're going to make. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, if you're Houston, what are you doing, Dylan Brooks, and still hanging around in the in the Harden stuff? And it just
1: Van Vliet for 140 million dollars or whatever. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet.
2: It. I, I get Fred Van Vliet going. I'll take the money. It's generational wealth. I, I get it, but from a basketball standpoint, it just makes no sense at all
1: it doesn't and it's kind of a weird you know conundrum for them that they had all this cap space and they don't even want to pay their own players so they had to go find people but that doesn't mean you have to pay two guys you know 250 million Uh, dollars it it made absolutely no sense there were so many free agents out there you could get you know, for a way different price to kind of fill your team with veterans around these young guys like Green and Jabari and Shingoon, who I love to watch play. He's awesome. Um, and now Whitmore. Uh, I mean, they even, they got rid of uh, KJ, uh, like a really good player for like a second round pick. I can't even remember his name. He is a good player to the Knicks. It, it must be Tillman just saying, I- I'm tired of losing. But his problem is, they're still the worst team in the West with the maybe exception of San Antonio. They, they are not any better than they were, Mm -hmm. you know, a year ago, except for maybe Jabari takes a jump, but if, if they sink again, all you're going to see is Jalen green jacking up threes, (laughs) taking 24 shots a game. And, you know, I know they had the new coach uh, from Boston who had his own issues. So who knows if that's going to change in a city like Houston, Um, I'm sure. And they
2: don't have a lot of assets. They've traded a lot of their assets. So it's, they don't, they can't look at it the way Utah can or or Oklahoma city or New Orleans and go, okay, well, you know, we we can be patient here because we have all these picks. Then if we need to, we can package them. Picks are super valuable. They're more valuable today than they've ever been. And in this CBA, they're even more valuable. You can take these picks. We can, we can ball them up. We can collect them with some assets and go ship them here and bring in a piece that makes sense. Houston can't do that. They don't have assets. The Thunder own most of their assets in the West. Chris Paul deal?
1: Was that that what they got all the assets from? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, even if they wanted to bring James Harden in and pay him, you know, the the offer that uh, Philadelphia wouldn't pay him because of, you know, however many years of the over 38 rule, that's very confusing to me. It's like, what does that add to your team? Now you're probably giving away more of your young stars that you'd actually like to see, you know, with some coherent plan, which you haven't had for two years. But instead, you just spent $250 million on two guys. That, like, I mean, who are you bidding against for Dylan Brooks for, for four years, $80 million? I mean, nobody. And they just did it because, you know, I think they just thought that he's a guy that's going to come in and start for them and be a good example, I guess. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's watched basketball in Houston over the last few months, but that's a, kind of the opposite. Your your question is is exactly correct. Like, what, did, what are they doing? And all my friends here, like, we don't even care. We're we're trying to focus on if CJ Stroud's any good. So, (laughs) and and like, are the Astros going to be healthy? Like, they're so lost in in the sports world here after Harden left. It's actually like kind of sad.
2: Yeah, it's it's a cool arena. It's I mean, it's a cool city. All that stuff. I just. I, they're, they're just not run well. You you can, that's the one thing in the NBA is you can see the teams, the organizations that are run well. One of them just won the title um, and, and organizations that aren't run well. And the ones that aren't run well, just it, it's, it's, you just can't climb out. It's It's impossible. You have to be, you have to be very smart. You have to be very patient. You have to have a degree of luck, but you, you have to, you you do ha- it requires patience denver's a great example uh, Jokic was there 9 years you know they had jamal murray and there was a temptation to trade him at one point they're like no no don't 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 let's just let's just let these guys play together and and then sure enough they had some assets and they were able to go get what they thought was hey this is the piece that's a missing piece gordon and then you know they drafted christian brown and and he turned out to be a perfect role player as a rookie for that team and That's how they won. But if they try to take one shortcut in that whole process, it doesn't
1: happen. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. And also it's patience and luck. I mean, there is luck involved. I mean, they drafted Michael Porter Jr. Guy had a back surgery the year before. You had no idea what he was going to be like. And he's turned out to be, I mean, an incredibly valuable player for them. Yeah. For Houston, ever since Harden left and they broke up that team after I think it was like the 2016 or 17 Western Conference. Finals against the Warriors, and they thought it was going to be their year, like finally. And then slowly but surely, that team just disintegrated by getting rid of Paul and sending him to OKC. But not only do they do that, but they sent out their best players and their best assets at the top of their game for absolutely nothing. They, I mean, they they did it in such a rash and almost you know, like irresponsible way of, of, of handling the situation that they were dealt. Whereas most teams and you see like Daryl Morey and how he handled the Ben Simmons situation. You just, you, like you said, you're patient. You let the scenario kind of happen, how it happens. And then you react to it. They just reacted to it by, you know, doing absolutely nothing once it was over and they knew it was over, but now they're re-reacting to them being bad. When in reality they should just be losing and continuing to lose, yes. and continuing to lose, and continuing to lose. And for whatever reason, they're going to be the Atlanta Falcons of the last eight years where they're going to be having the 16th draft pick. And, you know, maybe some hit, maybe some don't, but you're playing, you're gambling. You're not planning, and that's exactly what's happening
2: here. No, they should be doing everything they can to put themselves in position to get Cooper flag in two years.
1: Yep, exactly. I I think the draft next year is supposed to be terrible. I don't know if that's true or not. Or not terrible, but it's supposed to be a low year. So I get – there's some weird things there, but I would be looking at flag and the Boozer Twins in two years and being like, that's our chance. But they didn't.
2: The only two names I've even heard for next year that people will know anything about is – one is Jalen Williams from Santa Clara's brother who's going to play at Colorado. I can't remember his first name's Maybe Caleb. They say he's better than – Oh, a-
1: yeah, you know, I do – I don't know him, but I know who you're talking about. He's like the one random five-star who went to Colorado. I, yeah. I know who you're talking
2: about And then the other one – and this, this probably is an indication of how weak the draft is. Um, Trevin Brazil at Arkansas, who tore his ACL, former Missouri player, transferred to yeah. Arkansas. Uh, a big – can really shoot it. Has, there's a lot of there's a lot there, but I mean, there's an ACL injury, and he he'll be a third year college player. There's a lot of talk about him being a fairly high lottery pick, and that's probably indicative of the weakness of the draft.
1: Yeah, I think that there's them. Then there's the Ron Holland kid who yeah. left Texas after Coach Beard was fired, and he he's I guess playing G League at night. Yeah. Um, That's it. I mean, that's those are guys – I mean, we had to, like, think about who they were (laughs) instead of being like, yeah, next year it's Scoot, Brandon Miller, and Wimby. So it's it's even worse for some of these teams who have gone all in when they didn't necessarily need to.
2: So you mentioned Brandon Miller, and I'm going to do what I make fun of people for doing. I'm about to go very small sample, fast judgment hot take on a NBA rookie. I'll allow it. Um, Charlotte had the second pick and they did the mistake. When you pick second, you take the best player. You don't take fit. You don't worry about fit. You're Charlotte. You're nowhere close to a title. Stop worrying about it.
1: No one cares about Lamelo.
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Lamelo's fine, but go get, go get the player. And then it, it'll work out right. They should have drafted Scoot. They didn't, they drafted Brandon Miller and, I'm recording this. If I'm dead wrong, I'll, I'll own it. It won't be the first time I don't like him. I don't, I don't like what I see. And I've watched a bunch of guys. Like I I love Leonard Miller so far. I, there There's some guys that I watch. Ooh, yeah. I really like him and he's really good. And, ooh, I like that. And I can see where I, I don't, I can't. Watching Brandon Miller on an NBA floor, I can't justify taking him over Scoot Henderson. I just can't do it. Not I can't. And I watch Scoot a lot. I watched more Overtime Elite than I like to admit. It's a it it was a sign of, hey, I have no life, and I've watched way too much of this, but um, I like to men Thompson more than I like Brandon Miller. I like Scoot more than I like Brandon Miller. I could have talked myself into Osar Thompson over Brandon Miller, and I just watched Brandon Miller and Uh, there's something about his game and maybe even the way that he carries himself that I just don't like. Am I crazy?
1: I don't think you're crazy at all. And I know that's bad podcasting for me to just agree with you straight up. Um, I I was just such a huge scoop guy that I was like, I just don't see how you don't take this guy. Everybody in the basketball world is saying that this guy has it. And, but all, all that being said, I understand slightly why you see Brandon Miller as an intriguing prospect. He's 6'9", he's long, he's got a great shot, but he doesn't have it. And the the NCAA tournament is so stupid, and guys get drafted way too high based off of performances in that tournament. You see it every single year. But Brandon Miller was terrible in that tournament. Awful. The reason Alabama didn't make it. I mean, he was terrible. And it's not it's not nothing to me personally. It's not nothing that this guy on the biggest stage you're going to be at was not good. And you've seen him in these past like first two games. and He looks so hesitant. He looks like he doesn't understand what he's doing. And yeah, there will be growth with that and understanding the game. There will be more spacing in a real NBA game. There will be in summer league. But when you counteract that with the literally 15 minutes, you saw Scoot Henderson before he got hurt. It just makes, I mean, if I'm in Charlotte, I just want to punch myself in the face over and over and over again. Oh, and to make matters worse, we paid Lamelo ball $280 million over five years because he's the only star we have. So we had to do it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and it they're is- like we can't draft Scoot. We already have this guy. Like, yes, you can.
2: <laughs> you had <laughs> you to, yes, you, you had to. And, and, and to your point, you're right. The NCAA tournament st- it's it's it, it's it's a it's one of my favorite things. It's a stupid tournament. It is so dumb it, it, that that it's one game. We all I love it now. I love it. But
1: oh no 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 one denies that. Yeah,
2: it's fantastic. It's great theater. It's awesome sport for sports fans. It's just it's just push the adrenaline right into your arm. But it's dumb. Like Billy Donovan said one day, and he said it after his team won. He's like. This is the one event that you could play it over and over, and you'd get completely different results every time. That's why you, it it it's over overly over significant. That said, I'll give you an example to your point. I watched the Kansas Arkansas game. Yeah, and Grady Dix out there, and it's a super close game, and Arkansas's offensive system last year can only be described. And this is not a knock on Muscleman. But once Brazil went down and Nick Smith was out and everything was complete chaos and nobody could shoot, when your best shooter is Devonte Davis, your 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 offense makes no sense, and their offense never made sense. They were just it, it was a fundamental, clusterfuck, offensively the whole year. And you're Kansas, and you're Grady Dick, and all you need is a few shots, and you're going to knock them out. Anthony Black is stopping you. Uh, um, Jordan Walsh is stopping you. And by the last five minutes of the game, you're a non-factor. And for me, who was thinking about Thunder around 12, I was like, red flag, red flag, <laughs> red flag. Nope. Yep. I'm, out. I'm out. I'm out. And so um, I, I, I was that way with Miller, watching in the tournament, like, I get it. Because I liked him early in the year, you know, I was like, Cause when I thought when the season started and I thought the thunder would be just shitty, I was like, Hey, you we might have a third, fourth pick. That might be the guy. Yeah. A lot of ways he would fit, but you're right. There's an it factor that some guys don't have. And some guys do have like, I'm in Thompson has it in spades. Wow. Uh, Scoot has it just a gazillion times over. I'll give you another guy that's got it. And he's shown it in summer league and people did the, it was, it's, it's Anthony black. People did wow. the Arkansas thing. Well, he, he can't shoot and i'm like okay i get it he's not a good shooter I and mean, he needs he's got to develop a shot but he's an elite passer really understands the game competes and has the it factor to the gazillionth degree it's just in that offense it made no sense he could p- penetrate and distribute but he's passing it to like jordan walsh in the corner and it, it, i mean it, what the hell is he going to do with it right and and so you know and 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 then, when they tried to reincorporate Nick Smith, it just you're asking Smith to run around as almost a two slash three and he doesn't he's it it didn't work,
1: but it was an unfair disaster yeah,
2: yeah it it was just one of those things. had Brazil been healthy the whole season, who knows they might have been a completely they would have been a completely different team yeah. um but anyway, I watched black in summer League the other day with Orlando and he's getting to the rim and he's getting and he's distributing and guys are knocking down wide open shots. I'm like, Oh yeah. See, that's why he went sixth. And in, in, in so many ways that it, it continued. I feel like I'm beating up on Brandon uh, Miller, but I'm watching these guys do stuff. And I'm like, they're just guys who seem to have it more than he does. And like, I watch, we talked about the West a lot. I'm pretty high on where Orlando's going as an organization. Absolutely. I mean, Palo and, and, and they've got, they got pieces. They got, they've got, they've got a lot of dudes that are good. And, and and you don't Andrew, I mean, Anthony black doesn't have to shoot for them. No, he doesn't. He just needs to be a facilitator and a defender and a guy who competes at a high level. And he's six, seven, he's got great length and really smart and you're adding him to a team full of pretty smart guys. And, um, Suggs you you know if if Suggs is your fourth or fifth best player he's pretty good you know I mean yeah
1: Yeah, I think that we we feel like we're knocking Brandon Miller but I think we're really more knocking Charlotte for the way that they hand right yeah right and Orlando is the exact opposite they've got guards they've got Anthony they've got Suggs and they've got Fultz and they were like yeah you know what we're going to just take another one because we really like this guy and then you see him playing. you're like, yeah, who cares that we have now you have five guys in your rotations who are all guards. And figure, it and then you figure it out. You figure it out. You you draft the best player no matter where you are in the NBA draft in the lottery.
2: So to finish beating up on Brandon Miller, this it's yeah. really more about Charlotte. If I'm Charlotte <laughs> and I, for whatever reason, go, hey, you know what? You guys think we're crazy, but we believe this. We, we have conviction. We think LaMelo Ball's our guy. We don't want another point guard. So we're not going to take scoot at two. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to trade this pick. We are we are trading out of this pick. Hey, NBA, we're trading out of this pick. So bring your offers. We're taking the best one. We're going to do it five minutes before the draft. Bring your best offer. And you sell the pick. And you get you get more picks, an asset. Maybe you get a piece. Maybe that, like, New Orleans. Maybe New Orleans goes, all right, you know what? We don't want to do it, but we're doing it we'll give you a, a pick and in Brandon Ingram that's it that's all and, and do you and then you call and then you call Portland and other people and you go okay well here's the deal we got a pick and in Brandon Ingram can you top it and you call around the league and but you don't just go no no you know what we're not going to take the second best guy we're going to take the guy that might be fourth fifth best guy third best guy fourth best guy fifth best guy it's arguable with all those people and we're not going to accumulate any more assets on this decision that's dumb. And dumb doesn't it's, win in the NBA.
1: It's nonsensical. It's it's borderline, like, just unacceptable from an organizational standpoint. And they have a lot of issues there. I mean, Michael Jordan, what is he doing with that franchise? Is he still the one making this decision? I know they tried to, like, back away from that. And then another time they, like, tried to embrace that, saying, yeah, this is him before he leaves from his ownership position. He's the guy doing this. So it was his fault, not ours, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, if you're working for that, that franchise and like, this is an, a massive opportunity because a lot of these teams, I mean, Orlando has been here for years, Phoenix for years. uh, Who else? I mean, uh, Sixers during the process for years, they were always the fifth pick in a four man draft or the third pick in a two man draft. And Charlotte, who have really hasn't gotten a whole lot of luck recently. They got it. They got the second pick yeah. in a three-man draft and they overthought it and went with their fit over the best player available. And it is going to, I mean, like I said, they have got to be punching themselves in the face watching Scoot Henderson play right now. And I mean, it's just, it's unacceptable. And our in our opinion, and we could, look, we could be wrong. Brandon Miller's six nine. He could be a knockdown shooter and great in three years. I'm willing to say he's not. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that whatever Brandon Miller is, Scoot Henderson is a better and more valuable version of. Him.
2: Yeah, I, I I think Miller's ceiling is just good player. And that's fine if you have the seventh pick. Second pick, you got to get more than that. Second pick, you just do. Um, anything else sticking out to you from from summer league or just, just free agency that that has surprised if, you or
1: what the hell is Harden doing? And what do people want to do with him? Uh, are the Sixers, uh, are they going to fold? Are they going to wait him out? Uh, he's 36 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was listening to another show talking about like, this, I mean, this is three teams in three years that he has basically just decided I'm going to implode it. You know, he he and Kyrie are, are professionals at, just signing a deal then deciding you know we actually hate this team and this franchise and this coach and this GM we're just going to ruin it I I, I cannot stand both of them and they both are going to make a ton of money this year Kyrie Irving signed again with Dallas why why on earth I I don't I don't I mean I won't even get political with it I don't understand it He has not been a winning basketball player in seven years, and neither has Harden. Well,
2: you're running the risk of pushing Luka Doncic to the point where he walks in and goes, look, this is not making any sense at all. I'm too good for this, and I want to go somewhere. I'm about to go public. Trade me. And the moment he does that, in today's NBA, I mean, especially if Luka's willing to go anywhere, you can
1: go anywhere.
2: Literally. I mean, anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the opposite of like Milwaukee where they had some injuries the last couple of years. And they're like, do we run it back? And it made sense to run it back and you and they want like, a championship. Also. Yeah. And they have, they have a title and, and, you know, they, they made a, a change at the top with the coaching staff, but they they brought the team back holiday and on Kumpo and, and they re Chris Middleton and they even returned Brooke, Brooke Lopez. I mean, they, they, but they have a good team. They're a good team. And in the East, they are instantly a top three team. They have a yeah. legitimate shot to, to, to win the East. You're, you're Dallas. You're not winning the West. You're not, you're not winning the West. Luca Luca's damn good. He's, he's great, but he can't carry it. Not in today's NBA. He can't carry a team past a second round series. So can't, much you
1: can't do it. And you're so exactly
2: right. I don't know what they're thinking. And I, I think. I, I, I don't, I don't, Like they did the lively trade and I was watching that Dallas Oklahoma city game and the announcers were raving about Derek lively. And I'm like, he's not doing anything. He's, he's just a dude. He's big, but he doesn't have very good feet. What's he, what does Derek lively add to the Mavericks other than just a body and people like, well, he's the next Tyson Chandler. And I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? I mean, and and Tyson Chandler a long time to be an effective NBA player. He came into the league as a three for God's sake, and and so it's like, what is what? What do you? There is no. It feels like in Dallas again, no real direction. It's like let's just put some people around Luca and see what happens. And and I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm not doing the stuff about Kyrie or whatever. Kyrie's a great offensive player, but he's not a good defensive player. Luca's not a good defensive player. No, so you. You got to surround Luka with shooters, lots of shooters, and they don't. And Luke and and Kyrie needs the ball, and Luka's a ball dominant, has to have the ball. So much of his game is built on holding the basketball in his hands.
1: Yeah, it's so stupid. They saw the best version of what you can get with Luka when they had Jalen Brunson. And decided, no, we're not going to get a team first point guard, you know, slash two guard who can like really facilitate and play off of Luca. We're going to go get Kyrie. We're going to trade real assets for him, by the way. Like really, like Hollis Jefferson, like some of those guys, like real players. Good players. Um, And then we're going to bring him in. We're going to lose six out of 20 games or win six out of 20 games to end the season. We're going to lose on purpose, get fined for it to not be in the play in game and then we're going to draft a Duke guy who is like an average basketball player, and now it's going to work. Oh, and then we're going to pay Kyrie $40 million a year on top of that. it's, It's malpractice. The entire thing is malpractice. It's you have a top five player in the league on your team who was happy, who has been happy, who has said nothing, and you felt like you're talking about the lever and pressing the button instead of patience with him. When there seemed to be no issue, they decided that we have to do something. We're not a top, a top two seed in the West. We have to do something. We have to do something. They saw Kyrie, who was willing to do anything, <laughs> and we're like, we'll take him. And I think it's going to be the worst decision in that franchise's history, as it has been for like the past three that have picked him up.
2: You know, I mean, it's, she- it's funny on draft night, I was, Carson had a soccer game and we were driving, my wife and I were driving back and bless her heart, I was making her listen to the NBA draft. and. Uh, the 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 Mavericks took Cason Wallace with the 10th pick. And I went, oh, that makes sense for them. That's a good pick for them. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes some sense. And then five minutes later, he's getting traded to Oklahoma City. I'm like, wow. They made a good pick and they just traded it away. And then the Thunder took Lively and you figured that was the swap. And you're like, that
1: idiotic. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Yeah it, just,
2: yeah, it doesn't make any. Um, I guess the last couple of things. uh, is Boston doing the right thing, running it back, Jalen Brown. Well, we don't know if they're doing it
1: yet. He hasn't actually signed that extension, so That's true. There is something to to watch there. Um, I think running it back with him is the correct decision. I think you are in currently, you know, win now mode. You're in championship window, and those things. I mean, as you've seen in Oklahoma City, they don't last as long as you think they might Uh-oh. ever. Um, they gave away Grant Williams for nothing, basically. I don't, I don't hate that decision. I, I, I he couldn't really play for them. It, Marcus Smart, that seemed a little odd. It, it seems like they actually got worse despite keeping it together. But on the periphery, like they still got you know kind of the core there. I guess they'll re-sign Horford to some deal. Is, is Missoula going to improve? They brought in some real assistant coaches. The guy from the Bucks, Lee, who used, who was a Pelicans candidate, uh, and somebody else who I can't think of uh, off the top of my head, but they they had like a real bench off of a really shitty situation, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a big Boston person. I hope they fail, <laughs> but I, I don't think they're doing the wrong thing. But it also doesn't feel like they're doing the right thing. I don't, it's hard to explain.
2: I I went back and forth at first. I tried to justify the Porzingis thing in my mind, and and, and, about
1: that, sorry, yeah.
2: and and he's a good player. And when he's healthy, he's a really good player. When you ask him to be a third or fourth option, he's he he can be a really good third or fourth option. But Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of that team. I love the deal from Memphis. Um, I love the it. Deal. Love it. I I, no I think I think Marcus Smart could actually is is a strong enough willed individual to come in there and be the one guy that finally looks at John ja Morant, and goes, "Hey, dude, chill," and yeah. where Ja might actually chill. And if Ja chills, look out because they're. They've got all the pieces now to be a title contender. Um Yeah, I don't. If I'm Jalen Brown, I sign. I sign the extension unless I just want out.
1: I, I don't a know. No brainer. I would sign it. I, I don't know I, where. I, else. I understand why it hasn't been done. To be honest, I, I maybe they're haggling. They want to give him the official super max because I think somehow he made third team All NBA this year. So he, I think he's eligible for that max contract, and maybe that that's the holdup. Is they're like maybe not, you know, this go around, maybe we'll do a short-term, you know, extension max, but not like the whole five-year shebang. Um, I don't know, but if you're also them, it's like, who else really got better in the East? I mean, I don't really think any, I mean, Miami's still Miami, except for they lost a few of their guys. I mean, the Bucks will be back, but Middleton and, and Drew, it's another year for those guys. Brooke Lopez, as good as he was, he's 37 years old. Which yeah. is crazy. So I understand sitting tight, but it's also like this is really a time where you go overpay someone, you know, that like just kind of a fringe, another guy, another guy, especially if you're losing two to kind of make everything put together. And maybe they think Porzingis is that guy. To me, he's a a lot of stats on shitty teams over the years um, with a lot of health scares but they needed offense because that's really what got them in the end against Miami. So I I get it, but it's a weird dynamic over there. And then this Brad Stevens, like not doing anything with the coaching situation where they all were like, we're clearly not going to get the best out of this. Are we going to go English Premier League and just cut this guy after one year? I think it was a a decision that could have been possible and they just decided, no, we'll just run it back, which is a decision. Yeah, I would
2: have. I would have been curious to see what that team would have done. And Stevens gone. Hey, this this is a bad situation. It's not our. Not of our. Not of our making. And then had he gone to the bench and coached for a
1: year, would have loved to have seen it. Yeah. I think it would have been better because then you have Missoula, who clearly is a qualified coach, but he a qualified assistant. And you have Brad Stevens. You know what he is. I think it would have made a lot of sense. That's obviously a lot easier said than done from our angle, I'm sure. Yeah. But it would have been interesting for sure.
2: Well, hey, we'll do this again uh, when the season comes closer. It's if, if even if no one's listening, it's fun for me to talk about it because I watch I watch a ridiculous amount of NBA in the season, um, to the point where my wife has surrendered, and she'll just start turning it on downstairs. Just here, it's on. Pick a game. I'll
1: yeah. actually read you a text from, from my wife that sent me this. Who I now have one now, which is a little bit weird to say. Uh, I have to help Sarah with something at five thirty. And then I have a dinner with some friends at 6.30. You can watch all the Summer League NBA you want. That literally <laughs> exactly what you sent me about an hour ago. I'm like, wow. I, I also, I chose the right one, but I may be pushing my limits.
2: <laughs> Probably so. Probably so as I get ready to watch Indiana, Oklahoma City tonight. So, hey, uh, Weldon, thanks again for the time very much. We appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, Neil. Thank you.